Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Magnolia Beef and Seminary has top quality beef products that are raised right here in Mississippi. They also have fantastic gifts for every age. For the best beef in Mississippi and so much more, visit Magnolia Beef and Seminary or find us on Facebook. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert along with rhino live in the element wealth studios guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music on hump day we are here on the hump day of the week and uh, for the remainder of the week i'm going to be on the road traveling a bit little remote situation jones county tomorrow jones county of course one of mississippi's leaders in economic development and we're going to be down there so will the super talk eagle hour we'll be live in ellisville to celebrate the great economic development success of jones county and we'll share the stories of some mississippi's some of mississippi's greatest family-owned businesses so looking forward to that And then on Friday, we're down in Pike County. We're getting ready for the 12th annual Smoke It on the Tracks barbecue cook-off in Summit, Mississippi. Great food, live music, a car show, and more in store for you. Smoking on the Tracks, brought to you by Lot Furniture in Macomb, Ag Up, and Southwest Distributors. So, with an event like Smoking on the Tracks, yeah, usually if you have to talk for long periods of time, you have to figure out ways to keep your, your throat hydrated <laughs> and keep your mouth from getting too dry. But at Smoking on the Tracks, you're going to have to worry about the opposite. You're going to have to worry about drooling too much, because it's just going <laughs> to smell so good. Very much true. It's a really cool little setup, too. Literally is on uh, adjacent to the railroad tracks there that run through the town. In those days, that was pretty typical. Railroad just went right. And towns built up around the railroads. Oh, yeah. That was a, a uh, common form of transportation. It was the life and death of many towns. That's very true. It's a good point. If your town wasn't on the railroad, it shrunk. That's true. If it was on the railroad, it exploded. Very true. And uh, many of our our highways, our U.S. highways, before the interstate system, they paralleled, followed the path of the railroads. 51, for example. It's the way we got north and south in Mississippi before we had uh, 55, Interstate 55, just as an example. So a lot of stuff going on in these United States. Fox uh, finally had a settlement yesterday, right? Fox News Corp. A settlement 
for a whole lot of money, as a matter of fact. Just south of what, 800 797, million, I believe? Million? No, million. Right, not million. million. Yeah, million. Uh, the company, best I could tell, generates a little over a billion dollars a year in net income, so this pretty much is a a whack off of half of that in a year. 787. That's a suit that they have settled with Dominion makers of electronic voting systems. It would have been an historic trial had it gone that far, but you knew the lawyers and the insurers were going to be working diligently to reach a settlement to avoid the circus that would have been the trial. The case was resolved in a Delaware court. That's probably because, I'm just guessing here, that the company Dominion is domiciled in Delaware like many corporations are. Uh, My company was, and that's because there are some benefits under Delaware law when it comes to a diverse shareholder base and um, what are called uh, investor rights, IRA, investor rights agreements. And so there's some benefits there in Delaware that do not exist to that extent in other states, and that's why a lot of uh, companies, public company or companies with diverse equity structures will domicile in Delaware. Yeah, they've been there since the 7th of July, 2009. Okay. Doesn't necessarily mean that's where their headquarters exist or where they manufacture their products. That could be, or have other physical facilities, but that is where they're domiciled from a legal perspective. Right. The the jurisdiction for Dominion Voting Systems Incorporated is Delaware. There you go. Okay. So in a statement following the decision, Fox News acknowledged that the court found that it aired falsehoods, which could have implications for other defamation cases the company faces. Quote, we acknowledge the court's rulings finding certain claims about Dominion to be false. This settlement reflects Fox's continued commitment to the highest journalistic standards, Also, a source confirmed that Fox News will not be required to give any apologies or retractions on its air as a part of the settlement deal. No surprise that this was a a headline story on MSNBC, CNN, other network left-wing, left-leaning outlets no mention of it on Fox. No surprise. I didn't see any or hear any. Didn't no, find any news story. Very little of it. Yeah, but the, I mean, from a realistic, not a ooh the media, media ooh standpoint, you're really not supposed to talk about anything you're right. involved with and call like in front of a judge. So yeah, and I think this uh, the the agreement including the provision that they are not required to retract or apologize is likely why you didn't see any reporting on it on Fox. They would have been compelled to had the court ordered it to do so, but that was absent, the final agreement. 
interesting, though. It, it, it is reported that this is the largest defamation lawsuit against a media company, I believe, in history. Maybe the biggest settlement in history. Interesting. So, uh, I think that deals in the so-called rearview mirror at this point, is the way I would put it. In the meantime, on the economic front, once again, this debt ceiling showdown is heating up. It's percolating. And I'm just fascinated reading the reporting on this, depending on the media source. This what just makes me laugh is when you get the, um, I guess the left leaning media, which is most of it, honestly. But it's the CNN headline here: the U.S. economy could depend on McCarthy corralling his extremist Republican troops. They're MAGA extreme. <laughs> oh my gosh. Millions of Americans could face massive consequences unless Speaker McCarthy can navigate out of a debt trap. <laughs> so, in there, another side in this as well. <laughs> Why is there no reference to the other side? You mean the other side that's saying it's my way or the highway get bent? Pretty much. So, you know, we reported yesterday, we shared the information about McCarthy speaking on Wall Street, addressing at the New York Stock Exchange talking about, of course, things they're interested in, like the debt ceiling and out-of-control, reckless government spending and massive deficits and debt. He addressed that, and he presented what I thought was a reasonable plan. Honestly, we should be applauding that. It's woefully short of what a goal would be in... Balancing the budget. I mean, that's kind of a joke, honestly. When you think about producing $1.4 trillion deficits on a $5.8 trillion budget, uh, you, you know, $1.4 trillion, you're, you're talking nearly 30% deficit spending. Think about your own household. If you spent 30% uh, such that you would produce a 30% deficit. I believe statistics point out that over half of the United States households would be underwater after a month. Right. But you don't have to make some changes or you're going to die, honestly. (laughs) You don't have to figure something out. But not when you're the federal government. You just keep on printing that money. And then what do you do? Drop it out of helicopters so folks will vote you back in. But what about the program? Exactly. Think <laughs> about the program. And, and I'm going to get to that when we come back because Joe Biden took a swipe at the speaker. And uh, I can assure you his plans do not include cutting any of the programs. We've got Alan Suddeth at 1105, manager of Mississippi Policies and Government Affairs for Chevron Products, Inc. Up until then, it's me and you, Rhino. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert. 
Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it is middays live from the element wealth studios we thank you so much for joining us today so yeah kevin mccarthy goes to wall street and he assures investors that he doesn't have any intention of allowing the country to Default on the debt. He says, make no mistake, the longer President Biden waits to be sensible to find an agreement, the more likely it becomes that this administration will bumble into the first default in our nation's history. Defaulting on our debt is not an option, said the Speaker, but neither is a future of higher taxes, higher interest rates, more dependency on China, and an economy that doesn't work for working Americans. So Biden says that we got to have a no-strings-attached debt limit increase deal. And he sort of, in his little arrogant, joking style, uh, a speaker... I, I couldn't find the video. Maybe because he said the speaker, he didn't tell those folks on Wall Street that it's time for them to start paying their fair share. You know, what the, a fool. The people. We have a literal fool sitting <laughs> in the Oval Office. The dude is so stupid, he can't find his butt with both hands. <laughs> so these are the people, by the way, likely, it is likely their income is such that they're among those, the 1%, would you say? I would. I'd say they're likely to be among the 1%. And the 1% in this country, <laughs> they shoulder 42% of the tax burden. 1%. Nearly half. We're relying on 1% of the people in this country to shoulder Nearly half of the tax burden. But that ain't fair, according to that fool. It's just unbelievable. Um, And I don't know what the cutoff is now, presently, for the top 1%. But it's not as high as you think it is, I can tell you that. Uh, Yeah, 578,000 as of January. 578K in New York City or San Francisco, that's like poverty level. Because the 1,500 square foot bungalows, two million bucks, that's a fixer upper. And then you lap on the taxes, but that's top 1%. 578,000. They shoulder, they account for 42%. This is the one that's really 
It's like almost every prominent Democrat was asleep the day they taught basic math in school. It sure seems like it, doesn't it? Well, it's that or they're lying to people's faces and expecting them to believe it. I mean, it's one or the other. They're either dumb as rocks or manipulative as can be. What do you think the average person, if you ask the average person on the street, what what does a a person's income have to be in order to be included in the top 1%, what do you think they'd say? Easily millionaire. Probably some billionaire. Well, I mean, but their annual income. So we we know well, you know people saying you got to you got to make a million dollars to be in the 1%. Okay. Well, it's half that. Right. I I bet you I I'm going to depart with you on this. I bet a lot of those people think you've got to make several million in income. Some would probably even say, "Oh, they got to make a billion dollars a year to be in the top yeah, that's 1%." What I was like you'll have some that would go as low as a million, but you you right. have some that say, "Oh, you got to make a billion." I think you're right. Because they hear folks like Bernie Sanders and AOC and Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer and Liz Warren, who are constantly attacking the most successful, and they're always using that with the term billionaire as their reference. And I think they honestly believe, oh, you got to be in a billion. You make a billion dollars a year to be in the top 1%. That puts you in the in the top point oh 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 something like that one percent. But nonetheless, the uh, number of returns there's 139 million tax returns filed. We're just coming. We're a day after tax deadline date. 139 million returns actually that have a positive adjusted gross income. I don't want to get into the wonky junk there. But nonetheless, the top 1% of those, that's 1.3, nearly 1.4 million tax returns. When you consider that there's 140 million roughly that are filed, that's who's covering 42% of the revenue. But that's not fair. Uh, how do they define fair? More, more, more. So here's the most telling and perhaps the most disturbing statistic about this. The top 50% okay, of taxpayers pay 97% of the taxes. Half the taxpayers in the country are responsible for nearly 100% of the taxes. The bottom half of taxpayers, the lower half, 50%, they pay 2.7%. But that's fair. I wish uh, I only paid my fair share. Joe, they hate success. They don't like to see anybody produce income. Liz Warren yesterday, <laughs> she's so clever. What'd she say? How about a beer, hon? <laughs> Remember that? Thanks for coming <laughs> to your own freaking home. She tweeted yesterday, 
if you're paying any federal income taxes this year, any at all, you're funding our country more than this billionaire did in 2007 or 2011. That billionaire, of course, is her favorite target, Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon and top one or two or three richest people. It's time for the rich and powerful to pay their fair share, and that includes a hashtag wealth tax on fortunes greater than $50 million. And she has this cute little meme in her tweet, Rhino. Happy tax day to Jeff Bezos, who paid $0 in federal taxes. I encourage everyone, and, and this, this is worth repeating, I've shared this in... In my, in my speaking endeavors as well. Jeff Bezos penned a letter, we're coming up on two years ago, to his stockholders, his customers, it was addressed to them, his partners, his employees, where he outlined in great detail, with the math, something Liz and Joe Biden can't do. It was multiple pages. The value, quantified dollar value, that Amazon has produced for the various stakeholders, stockholders, employees, partners, AWS subscribers, and other customers. And he quantified it. And it wasn't just pulling numbers out of his rear. It was detailed, quantified, supported, substantiated information. Every CEO ought to do that, in my view. Well, it was over $340 billion of economic value. His idea, his risk created for society. Now, I may not agree with Jeff on his politics. That's besides the point. I'm saying here, forget politics. We're talking business. If only the businesses would stay out of politics and the freaking politicians would stay out of business, we'd all be a whole lot better off. But no, they got to cross over. All the damn businesses got to spew their political crap and they got to in, invade their business with that stuff and, and uh, include that in their business operations with their ESG garbage. And then the politicians like Liz Warren, she's got to go attack someone who created $340 billion of value for society. Here's what I say. We need more Jeff Bezoses and fewer Liz Warrens. This country and this world would be substantially, dramatically better and improved. More Bezos, fewer Liz Warrens. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi.
back, everyone. Middays. Baba O'Reilly by the Who bumping us into this segment. We thank you so much for joining us. I see that uh, I, I, I caught a tweet by somebody named Ed Krasenstein. I think that said that right. Yeah. Did I didn't bother to look up this person's profile to see who or what they are. K-R-A-S-S-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. And he is, um, he tweeted a, a greeting, a welcome back to U.S. Senator John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. Today, John Fetterman returned to the U.S. Senate after taking a leave of absence due to clinical depression. 17.3 million Americans, over 7% of our population in parentheses, suffer from depressions. This man should be viewed as a role model. <laughs> Seriously? That's how folks think. Gary in the Berg on the ceasefire text line, that's 601-879-4395, says... Kind of like Buckhead in Atlanta. They pay 40% of Atlanta taxes, from what I've read. I'm not sure, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's the more affluent area of Buckhead. And so, and I'm not sure if you're talking about income taxes, but certainly if you looked at the city of Atlanta and analyzed the source of income taxes to the state of Georgia, there is no local income tax in Georgia. Yeah, probably a large share of the Atlanta area is produced by the Buckhead area, the Buckhead region of Atlanta. I mean, that makes sense, just because of the income level of the residents of Buckhead. That's what I was about to ask. I'm only vaguely familiar with Buckhead, and what I I am familiar with is not residential. So I was wondering if there was a residential aspect to the neighborhood. Yeah, there is. There, there is, but uh, so, but it may be true. But the point is well made, though, by Gary. That yeah, we we have a president and a party in the Democrat Party who absolutely pounds the drum on a daily basis. This fair share refrain. I'm sick of hearing it. Honestly, it's unproductive, and it's. I think it's an effort to appeal to a base that just wants a pound of flesh. Like, okay, so you want more taxes. If you took it all, it ain't nearly enough. So what? what's the purpose of that? It's not like, well, yeah, we need more taxes to pay for the programs. No, you don't. You just it's print to energize money. a base made up largely of takers of people that don't really care about taxes because they don't have to pay them. The recipient class. You know, you got these, is it patriotic taxpayers, whatever the heck they're called, that want the 90% tax rate? Disney's granddaughter is among those. And, but they're hypocrites, honestly. Because 
they don't really, they're patriotic millionaires. Yeah, it's about 15 or 20 of them. It was Roy Disney's granddaughter, not Walt. Roy's is Walt's brother. They, uh, they had a press conference yesterday in front of the Capitol urging the Congress to raise taxes the highest effective rate to 90% on the super wealthy. They're concerned about income inequality. However, so wait, 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 wait. So you have people that actually have money that they could willingly use to better society. Right. And they want to lobby the most inefficient government possible to take their money and do the same thing much more inefficiently. You got it. Sounds I mean, like they're dumb as Democrats, too. It's, it's really not very smart to just send more money to the government. I mean, even if, even if you're, you're trying to be altruistic about it. There's you, nothing stopping you from cutting a check to Uncle Sam I, when you want to. There are way better causes and uses of that money. I mean, if your goal is to address income inequality, first, just filtering your money, routing it through, as you said, an inefficient federal government, and then redistributing it in the form of goofy programs is is a complete joke. That hasn't worked for the 60-plus years we've been trying to do that, honestly. hasn't really worked. That's just, that's not a solution. The solution is, is to get the hell out of the way, government. And I still maintain the solution is to promote the idea of the traditional nuclear family and do everything possible there. And I'm not saying do that with money, financial incentives. But if these people want to part with their money, they very well could. Set up a fund. Send me photographic evidence of you starting a new young family, a traditional family, and you get $10,000 as a nest egg. Yeah. If they just want to part with their money so dang quickly. I, I agree. I'm not for that that structure. That, that I don't I, think it would be very good, but... Well, I'm if not they for won't it. throw money away. Oh, I agree. I'm not for it from a government perspective. But right. if you want to do it voluntarily, just just use your money in that way, sure, knock yourself out. I agree with you. Set a fund up for that. The same thing, the same approach and that, that, that same structure could be used to address a, a number of issues that are critical to the lower income in our society. Health care is a great example. You know, I've talked about that on the show. Why couldn't companies, private sector companies, if the government would allow, why couldn't I just adopt? I proposed this 10 years ago to government leaders, Mississippi government leaders. I'm willing to go adopt three or four families. It doesn't even have to be families. Just folks that can't afford health care. Rather than sticking them on Medicaid, if we can verify income and so forth, let me put them on my group insurance. Better coverage. Government's not involved. I'll just, I'll pay for it. 
Give me a little tax credit for that. Not asking for 100%, just a little. As a, just as an incentive. You don't think we could get enough companies in this country to adopt? I call it adopt. The 30 million who aren't covered? I think we could. But you know the problem with that? Well, heck, that means they're taking our job. We in government, we've got to solve these problems. We can't let the private sector do that. I really do believe it's because it's never really about helping anybody for the Democrats. It's about coalescing power in government. I think that's right. You're you're crashing our gig. It's that's our responsibility to put programs in place and do it as poorly as humanly possible. <laughs> that's right, and as inefficient, and also make make sure that it's rife with waste, fraud, and abuse. Otherwise, you can't be a government program. That defines government programs. It's true, though. There, there are creative solutions to these problems, and if you want to, you want to address income inequality, and it, there truly are people in society that have been dealt a tough hand, and they need some help. Help up. I'm all for that, but not by sending more money to the stupid government. That's the dumb way of doing it, because they screw it up every time. That's the most inefficient approach you could possibly There's a reason Barney Fife had to keep his bullets in his pocket. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) Barney was a good guy. I can't necessarily say that about some of our government folks, but... That is a good... It's a, Washington is one big Barney Five, isn't it? <laughs> I like that. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We appear to have agitated a couple of people here, at least one on the ceasefire tax line. Fox News and its affiliates do nothing. Actually, it says does nothing, but it would be do because it's a it's a, uh, a subject that's been joined with and. So that's plural, multiple, right? I get that right? Yep. Subject, verb, agreement. I can't remember what you call it when you have multiple subjects that are joined with the and, as opposed to the or, in which case each is an individual subject. But it should say Fox News and its affiliates do nothing but lie to, should be theirs as its viewers. And sad part is everyone let Trump, should be let's Trump brainwash them. So... um. 
But first, I think it was dumb for Fox to attack and call out Dominion and essentially assert that the voting systems were flawed. I didn't think that was very wise on their part. So the difference between me and this person is I can think independently, and I'm calling out Fox on that. Now, in, so that, I think, was a um, really an ill-advised business move on their part. They may have an opinion, and they could have expressed it as an opinion. The problem is you're not just saying, hey, I didn't enjoy – for example, I didn't receive the value I was expecting when I purchased or consumed a product. Here you're saying that a, a product does not perform as, as advertised, and you're really getting to the integrity, the core integrity of uh, this company's product. That's a problem. That's a little different than saying, you know, I went to have something to eat, and it didn't taste very good. That's that's an opinion. But here they were asserting that there is a technical integrity. Honestly, they were saying it was malicious and intentional is what they were saying. Yeah, they've got the code back there that changes the votes without really knowing that that was the case. They didn't have any proof of that. Nobody had access to the code. They didn't have any software developers come on and say, yep, there it is right there. That's where the change is made. That'd be a little different. These were these were news hosts that were making this assertion. So that wasn't very very wise on their part, in my opinion. But on the other hand, there is a a common perception on the left that folks on the right are just glued to Fox News twenty four hours a day and take at at face value everything they say. And believe it's the gospel truth. You know people like that. Oh, yeah. But this is what the left says. Now, I don't honestly believe that. I'm somewhat surprised to find just how few people on the right that are pretty far out there on the right think Fox News is liberal. You you know what I'm talking about. You've seen that. Oh, yeah. And really don't watch Fox News. Don't consume Fox News. But the left thinks they're just glued to it, like little droids or something. And it fills their head, and they take that to the bank, and then they just repeat all that. On the other hand, the left-wing media, and many on the left, says, all Fox News is a series of lies. They just lie constantly. Well, I don't believe that either. So I would ask this person, okay, I'm in agreement that what Fox did vis-a-vis the Dominion voting systems was bad journalism, in my view. You already went over that person's head with vis-a-vis. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm not retracting it and replacing it with what that means. Look it up. But, so I would ask this person, give me some examples of lies. Serious question. Examples of lies. Now, the problem with all this journalism stuff is that where we mostly get incensed is with the opinion shows. And in their opinion, 
So if you don't agree with the opinion, it's a lie. So I could sit here and say, well, the MSNBC clowns and the CNN folks, they just parrot what President and Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders and, and their ilk say is, those corporations and rich people don't pay their fair share. Well, that's a lie. But it's an opinion. I happen to think that the 1% paying 42% of the taxes is more than fair. Actually, it's not fair. They pay too much of it, my view. You see the issue there? Because this is opinion matters. We're not talking about factual news reporting. But this person claims to be an academic administrator. They must know better that. than us. I saw that. I weep for the children. Uh, it's, it's terrible. You're more educated than me? He says, not over my head, buddy. More educated than you, my friend. Tucker Carlson, Hannity, Ingram, those are your lies. Stolen election lie. Missed the total <laughs> discussion right there. We're coming right back with Alan Suddeth, manager of Mississippi Policy and Government Affairs with Chevron. And now, and now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays, live from the Element Wealth Studios on this hump day. Joining us now, Alan Suddeth, manager, Mississippi Policies and Government Affairs for Chevron Products Company. Alan, thanks for joining us on Middays. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. You got it. So just uh, reading up uh, a bit before the show about... The uh, the announcement from Chevron that you guys have come up with what appears to be uh, a renewable fuel, I think is the way to describe it. So tell us about this. Yes, sir. We're very excited about the role that um, the oil and gas uh, industry, and particularly Chevron, is going to play in the uh, lower carbon energy future, and particularly the lower carbon transportation future. Uh, we have partnered with um, another innovative company, Toyota, in developing a uh, fuel that is made up of 50% renewable gasoline that, uh, when used in current vehicles, uh, results in a 40% reduction in carbon intensity uh, compared to using regular gasoline. And the great thing about this is, is that uh, this fuel requires no new infrastructure, no new vehicles. You don't have to go buy a new engine. It is something that people that are on the road today and car owners today can use today. So we're excited about how that'll have a tremendous impact on uh, lowering carbon emissions uh, in transportation while also being something that is accessible and available and affordable. So what specifically, Alan, is the breakthrough here? I mean, what, what's the innovation that occurred that enabled this? It is the ability to blend uh, renewable gasolines with traditional gasolines and ethanol to come up with the right mixture, the right blend, so that we're having this uh, significant reduction in carbon intensity. And I assume... We've been... 
without loss of performance. Would that be correct? Or, or, That's right. Or That's what right. about was, uh, wear on the engine itself or I- any impact there? Well, that's what part of the demonstration is showing. Uh, we uh, we began in uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, with uh, three uh, Toyota vehicles, uh, one of their hybrids, their Toyota Tacoma, and another vehicle, and they are using this fuel uh, traveling from Pascagoula. They came to Canton uh, Monday, and they were in Baton Rouge yesterday, and now they they're, have stops in Houston and in Plano, Texas, and it's demonstrating uh, the uh, the fact that these fuels are available for uh, vehicles on the road today and that they don't have an impact on them, that they can be used by any vehicle that's currently being used and those to be uh, used in the future. I see. Well, this is fascinating. So, uh, and the, the other thing that I picked up on, as you said, is no, no change in infrastructure. So I assume that means that the present-day refining facilities would be able to produce this new blend. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're, uh, as many may know, uh, Chevron has its largest refinery in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we're celebrating our 60th anniversary there. Wow. Where we've made traditional fuels, petrochemicals, and uh, now base oil. And being able to add uh, a renewable gasoline component to that refinery, which uses existing business units, uh, allows us to uh, have a sustainable future, you know, for the next sixty years and beyond. But yes, it's it's able to be processed in the units that we have in um, at Pascagoula and at other refineries. So, what's been the reaction okay. from um, from the automobile manufacturing industry? It's it's pretty clear to me, Alan, that they're they're all making massive investments and in transitioning to EVs to electric vehicles. How, how does this impact that? I, I think it's uh, it's an additional option, right? It, it, uh, we're we're hopeful that the consumers and the manufacturing industry will see this as an an and as opposed to an or. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you noted, both from the manufacturing side and also from the federal government side, it's been heavily skewed toward electrification. And we believe that electric vehicles have a place in a lower carbon future. We think that um, we think that we have a place going into the future, but particularly when you consider 265 million vehicles in the United States alone are gasoline powered. We can have an impact on those car owners and on the owners of those that be made in the future. Our conversations with the manufacturers are really uh, like with Toyota. Uh, again, there's a partner of ours. So they see the value in uh, continuing internal combustion engines, uh, particularly hybrids. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there, there are manufacturers who see uh, internal combustion engine construction in their future, and uh, particularly when we can show them that they can uh, advance the technology of those vehicles, and with this renewable gas blends, they can be as, have as much impact on lowering carbon as an electric vehicle when you consider the life cycle of those vehicles. Sure. Is this um, something that would increase supply because we're able to incorporate uh, some of these other so-called rene- renewable sources, feedstocks, cooking oil, and the like, does, does this then result in an increase in supply? So we're maybe blending that with the traditional oil that we're pulling out of the ground. We don't need as much of that to meet our needs. Is that the case? 
I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, it certainly helps in energy security, right? Because it it uh, keeps uh, our oil and gas uh, resources and reserves as part of the energy mix, and by adding renewables to it, then uh, certainly I could. That's a great perspective in that it it extends the uh, life of the energy resources we have available here in, in the United States. Yeah, and I say that because. Obviously, the key to, to key to getting the price down to pump that we're all looking for as consumers is to boost supply, and uh, this seems to be perhaps a, a way to achieve that. And then I would also ask: Is Chevron out front of the pack here? Are the other big oil companies pursuing uh, this as well? Or are you guys out leading the leading the pack? I, I believe we're leading as far as the innovation. Uh, there are other uh, companies who are. Um, working on blends and i believe they've have, have blends that they are introducing uh so i think it's a it's an industry-wide effort uh they just i think we uh, have different uh maybe mixtures and different ways in which we're approaching it but okay. we're, we're not alone in the oil and gas industry when will you be shipping it and then will there be a change for consumers uh, at the retail level separate pumps for example Great question. Uh, we are, this is our demonstration phase, right? We're early on, uh, because, uh, we want to get some feedback from policymakers, from consumers, from the automotive industry. Uh, you know, we believe this, this works, uh, but we're going to need help to make it scalable. Uh, sure. We're going to need, we'd like the market to drive this. Uh, we, we understand that in this kind of lower market, lower carbon rather environment, that policy is really uh, important in order to make some of these things sustainable and scalable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we have the technology. We've tested it. We're demonstrating it today with the hope that, as you pointed out, that we can continue the dialogue and uh, make this a legitimate um, uh, alternative or legitimate additive yeah. to the lower carbon solution. What's been the reaction uh, from the government, Alan? Of course, the, the present government is pushing pretty hard uh, Americans to transition to EVs. I, I think that's that's a fair point. Uh, that's where they are. And again, part of today's exercise, part of the the uh, the work, the effort here is to get the word out that while electric vehicles may be a solution, they're not the only solution, and they're certainly not the immediate solution. This offers us a way to get uh, to engage. million cars that are currently on the road to engage them in part of the lower carbon solution in a much sooner way, in a much affordable way uh, than the construction uh, uh, the, the construction of new electric vehicles and construction of new infrastructure and uh, converting everyone over to that mode of transportation. We believe people should have a choice. Uh, we believe we should be, give them a choice that allows them to have the same uh, positive impact on carbon. Uh, but to do it sooner, uh, work with a group that, you know, over 95% of the vehicles on the road today in the United States are gasoline-powered. So having this as an option uh, allows us to have a, a more immediate and significant impact than kind of waiting on uh, the transition uh, that, that may not come to the extent that we need to in order to have the impacts that people are working on. Sure, sure. Uh, sounds like... A tremendous uh, innovation that has been accomplished here, Alan. 
And uh, we look forward to learning and hearing more about it. And we appreciate you joining us on Middays and informing us about it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time again. You got it. That's Alan Suddeth, Manager of Mississippi Policies and Government Affairs for Chevron Products Company. We're stepping aside for a break. Coming right back on Middays. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in the Element Wealth Studios. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. The market's in the red today. Investors concerned about the latest inflation report across the pond there in, U- in the U.K., it shook them up a little bit, and there's a, a sell-off going on. Not a huge one. The Dow presently down 96, the NASDAQ down four points. Searching for direction. I did notice, speaking of, of uh, oil, gas, and so forth, today um, crude is down below 80 bucks a barrel. It's been hovering around that $80 line. I did notice it uh, seemed a little bit more expensive for me to fill the car up. Uh, Getting ready to head uh, down to Ellisville tomorrow. So for the middle grade, which is what I typically put in my vehicle, $3.52 a gallon in Ridgeland. That's up a little bit, isn't it? Seemed like it was... Yeah, it's up a little, at least in this area. Yeah. Hmm. And of course, Which, I mean, is to be expected with the summer blend coming into play. Yeah, that's right. So th- this is fascinating. I, You know, before I even knew about Mr. Suddeth coming on as a guest, I got uh, I got wind of, of some of this just from some of my normal reviews of, of the news. Apparently, Exxon, uh, other major oil companies, they're all working on these, well, they call them low-carbon fuel blends. This is interesting. Of course, you know, in California, they're actually thinking about banning the internal combustion engine altogether. I think they have, right? Passed a law 2032 or 35 or something. Yeah, no, no new vehicles after a certain point. Yeah, sold. And uh, there are some in the EU that are seeking to do that 
in Europe, in the European continent. Um, I did, there was a question on the ceasefire text line. I didn't, I didn't dig into it, but I think it was related to diesel, maybe, and agricultural machinery that used diesel. Can you find that? Because I actually sent a question to our contacts, and they're checking with it. They're checking with Alan on it. So um, I, I, I was just curious as to whether or not there's a diesel version, if you will, of uh, this low-carbon, renewable fuel. And I know some folks asked, would it work on uh, small engines? I mean, my understanding is it's a, it's a pure 100% substitute for the current blends. I don't know that there are any restrictions as far as engines. Well, it depends on what's in the blend. Because, I mean, you've have, you have some small engines like a weed eater or a leaf blower or yeah. something like that where you have to mix it with oil. Oil, yeah. And if Two you, cycles. If you have too high of an ethanol content in the gasoline for your mixture, it can really mess up the engine. The engine, yeah. But I'm assuming that the, the gas part of that mixture could be substituted with this fuel to add to the oil. Assuming that. Don't know that for sure. So there's some, um, and I apologize I didn't um, ask that question, but I'm trying to get a couple answers for us in the, in the meantime to sort of clarify that. This is exciting, though, I think. But you just wonder, again, does the government receive this positively? Because they're so just so committed to the idea that we've all got to run out and buy an electric vehicle, they're even giving us money to use toward the purchase. Um, it's, is it another situation where, well, you can't do that. That's our job to solve this problem. We're going to do it through programs. <laughs> what do you mean you've come up with After a, we've <laughs> scraped a whole bunch off the top for some other pet programs that have exactly. nothing to do with it. Exactly right. don't actually do anything productive. Exactly right. But at least we know the gender identity of the poison dart frog in the Amazon. <laughs> so, Johnny and West Point, what about miles per gallon? So, again, I, I believe that, uh, and I'll see what I can find out, Johnny. Um, based on the reading I've done about this, it's... Uh, Equivalent. It is a true substitute for the more traditional blends that we're consuming today. It's. It sounds to me like it's a chemistry breakthrough. Of course, energy companies they got gigantic chemistry departments. I mean, that's what they are. At, at the core, um, there are lots of very smart chemists that uh, work for them because this is what they're doing. They're they're blending materials together to to. Well, everybody up. knows the name Tecron. Well, that's true. It's a chemical additive. Well, back when I was a kid in the 60s, you're too young to remember this. Some of these on the ceasefire text line out in the audience may. With Shell, it was Platformate. And they literally, you guys well, remember that's a this. mouthful. You, you need to look at it. They would run ads advertising Shell with Platformate. And what they do, Rhino, is they'd show two cars leaving some point, identical vehicles traveling to another point had the same amount of gas in them, going the same speed, traveling the same road side by side, 
And the one without platformate would stop because it didn't get as good as efficient mileage. But the one with platformate, it would bust through like <laughs> a paper sign with the Shell logo and platformate literally across the road. And here's the one without platformate. Uh-uh, it just stops. And here's the other one. It just continues cruising, and it busts through. The finish line. That's true. And and at the um, at the pumps, they would have now with platformate. I have no idea what that is, by the way, but it, it was compelling marketing at a minimum. Look it up. I'm telling you, platformate. What happened to that? I don't know if that was real or not. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, octane rating. So I would just say that it sounds to me like when I asked him, are you going to have to do anything different? It sounded to me like the experience of buying fuel is going to be the same. So uh, I I can't imagine that they would produce something again and spend all this money doing it and ramping up production for it where you lost a lot. and the um, aspects of traditional fuel. So, But I see what I can find out, and those are all... I mean, just look at how much money is involved in Formula One racing, and they have a plan to have a renewable fuel in the race cars in the next five years. Okay, there you go. Didn't know that. So, So if those engines can run it... Yeah. Used cooking oil is what I'm reading, is what they're saying. Part Tests show that the fuel, partly made from renewable feedstocks like used cooking oil, produces 40% fewer greenhouse gases than regular gasoline. So there you go. Says that eventually this will offer similar emissions savings to electric cars. This is interesting because you wonder if this would allow traditional fossil fuels, internal combustion engine-powered vehicles to satisfy the new tailpipe standards we talked about yesterday that the EPA is, is releasing. And the idea of those tailpipe standards is they're so rigorous that no internal combustion engine-powered vehicle would meet them. Therefore, you got to buy an electric vehicle. That's the idea. It's kind of a a pernicious approach, if you will. It's masqueraded by, well, we're just trying to get the manufacturers to improve the uh, the tailpipe emissions so that they produce less carbon. Not really. We want them to just sell electric vehicles. <laughs> but this kind of this kind of conflicts with that, it would seem. I mean, because that's what they're touting. Chevron, Exxon, the other big guys as well. This is interesting. See where this goes. But this is another example, Rhino. Human innovation solving human problems. It's amazing how that works. And they'll get mad because they'll make money off of it. <laughs> and we're coming right back in the Element Well Studios.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks for joining us on Middays, Super Talk Mississippi. William and Cortland, in railroad times, we were talking about smoking on the tracks and reminiscing a bit about the construction of uh, railroads. And I just noted that you, you made the point that a lot of towns were were, were make or broken. Oh, yeah, they lived or, or died by the line. Yeah. And uh, and I just remember that the early days of U.S. highways, pre-interstates, they typically paralleled because the vehicle was considered the newer form of transportation, even for long-distance travel. I, I just was reminded of 51 as an example. They just paralleled the railroad in our state. But that's where we're going to be on Friday, smoking on the tracks in Summit. And it is literally, we're set up right there off of the main street of uh, downtown Summit, and the railroad, the tracks are right there, hence the name of the event. But William and Cortland says, in railroad times, many Ole Miss students rode the train from Batesville to Grenada, then back to Oxford, because there wasn't a good road from Batesville to Oxford. I can believe that, William, and when I was up there, of course, Highway 6 was then a two-lane road, and it was honestly a bit treacherous. It was... uh, Sort of hilly, didn't have much uh, to the shoulders. You needed to be paying a lot of attention. Not that you don't now, even though it's four-lane. It's just a little easier to navigate, shall we say. A little more wiggle room. Yeah. CC in Sanatobia reminds us that Joe Biden has announced that he would veto a bill. There is a House bill that um, is likely to pass the Republican-controlled House that is designed to protect the integrity of women's sporting competition by prohibiting biological men from participating in women's sports, competing in women's sports. So Biden has made it clear he intends to veto such a bill if it makes it that far. I don't know if this makes it through the Senate, and I haven't seen a lot of discussion in the news about its prospects in the upper house. Have you? I have all focused on the House of Representatives. At this point, yeah. Yeah, and that's where the bill originates. And it makes total sense to me. It's insane that we even have to have this discussion, in my view. And you may have seen uh, our friend Riley Gaines. I'm calling her our friend because she's been on a couple of times, but she has seen uh, to it to blast the Biden administration about his announcement that, yeah, I'm just going to veto that deal. And what Riley said was, you know, they're just ignoring objective truth. She's so right. I mean, and she's expressing severe frustration that this is even a thing in our country. And I, I agree with Riley on that. Uh, it's bizarre to me that it's gotten to this point, and I, and I can't help but think about when I first started doing this show, and 
I just said, how are we ever going to agree on anything? We can't agree on how many dead gum genders there are. She says, uh, we're denying the sheer essence of humanity. I hate to break it to all your viewers, this was on Hannity last night. All right, though, this may be a lie, because we had somebody on the ceasefire text line that said that all the opinion shows on Fox News are just replete with lies. Isn't that what they said? Yeah. Okay, well, this is what... This is what Riley Gaines said during an interview last night with Sean Hannity. And I'm no huge Sean Hannity fan, just for full disclosure here. She says, I hate to break it to all your viewers, but guess what? We're all here because we were from man and woman, and now we're denying that. Now, is that a lie? Help me out here, Rhino. Is that a lie or not? No, I'm fairly certain every living person alive on the planet today was born to a woman. Were there, are you aware of any cases where biological men have given birth to a human? No, not, uh, not men. Huh. Well, and I thought it was all lies. She says, and it's chilling, it's unnerving, it's truthfully just scary to think about We have people in positions of power, referring to Joe Biden, who are supposed to make these big decisions that govern the country, but who can't define a woman. Now, you may also be aware that Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, he struggled as well yesterday on the Hill with... Defining a woman when asked by Representative Andrew Clyde, Republican from Georgia, he repeatedly asked the Secretary of Education, Cardona, to define woman or definitively explain the extent of, quote, equal access for transgender students under the Biden administration's new Title IX rule. So what's happening here, folks? is that Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to use the power of the federal purse to influence social policy, if you will, basically telling schools that in states that exist in states where laws have been passed that prohibit males from competing. I'm talking about biological males, not those who who run around and say they are, like Leah Thomas, who says now she's a woman, he is a woman, simply because he let the hair grow out or put bows in it or sign up to swim (laughs) on the women's swim team. That doesn't make you a female, by the way. You're still a male. So Cardona, so the Biden administration wants to say, if you prohibit the likes of Leah Thomas who were born and are still biological males from competing in women's sports. And if you prohibit the likes of Leah Thomas from using the women's locker room and bathrooms, you ain't getting no money from the federal government. So Cardona's before the House Appropriations Committee, because that's where the money is doled out. And he was there to defend uh, the Biden administration's changes to Title IX that would make it illegal for schools 
to ban transgender students, meaning males, who now have said, oh no, I'm really a female. Look at this ribbon in my hair. Look, I got a dress on. I got makeup on and the like. Make it illegal for schools to ban students from competing on sports teams that happen to not align with the sex they were assigned at birth. Well, the representative, Clyde, asked multiple times to define woman. Says, what's the definition of a woman? You haven't given me that. You haven't answered my question. And Cardona says... Well, I think that's almost secondary to the important role that I have as Secretary of Education. Dude, you made the rules. Seems like you'd know a little bit about the inputs to the rules, the subject of the rules. Especially if you make a rule that says you can't ban males from competing in female sports. Seems like you'd have to be able to find what a female is first. I lead the Department of Education, and my job is to make sure that all students have access to public education, which includes co-curricular activities. And I think you highlighted pretty well the importance of Title IX and giving students equal access. What about the equal to the females? How is that equal to them? You know, it just hit me, Rhino, that the Democrats seem to have a problem with equal and fair. Now they've wordsmithed themselves into a tizzy and don't actually understand the real definitions of words anymore. Well, it not only applies to economics and taxes, but it also applies to one's gender and athletic competition. And we shared yesterday that the San Francisco State University athletic director basically came out and said, well, if it's not fair in competition, that's okay, because inclusivity is way more important. It's more important to allow these bulked-up males with hair all over their bodies and muscles bounding in their arms. And an Adam's apple, it's more important that they be allowed to compete in female sports because they have identified as a female or they're transgender, that's more important than having fair competition and fair competitors in the competition to the bona fide, genuine, biological women competing. That's what the athletic director says. Forget about the fact that it's not competitive, it's inclusive, and that's all that matters. I'm just sick of that crap. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well Studios. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Get 
That's a good one to drive to. Got to be careful, though. <laughs> exactly. Give you a little bit of the lead foot. <laughs> On the ceasefire text line, regarding the renewable fuels the conversation we had with Alan Suddeth from Chevron, the uh, and the, the main benefit being, of course, that it produces a whole lot less carbon, um, somewhat equivalent to that, according to what Alan said, of an electric vehicle. And on uh, the c text line, the EPA will just move the goalposts by changing the standards. It could be, but then the EVs wouldn't, wouldn't qualify, right? Of course, they want us to walk anyhow, let's be honest. Isn't that what AOC said? No more flying airplanes. <laughs> oh, Meanwhile, China's over there saber-rattling, threatening to shut down the Strait of Taiwan. Well, they're not just over there. You haven't seen? What's up? Chinese police stations in the United oh, yeah. States. In New York. Well, now there's like six or seven more they've found. I didn't know. I know there's Two one. in California, one in Texas, one in Nebraska. How does this happen? You have a bumbling fool in the Oval Office oh, and a man. whole bunch of idiots that voted for him worried about where to go to the bathroom and what their preferred pronouns are. Yeah. It's true. We are so... Tied up with that kind of garbage. We don't focus on the main thing, as they say. Kirk from Columbus asked what we know about House Bill 912, signed by the governor on the 13th. Honestly, this is out of my realm of expertise, but it deals with firearm suppressors. Basically says that if a firearm suppressor is manufactured and remains inside the borders of the state of Mississippi, it is not subject to federal law and regulations governing such suppressors. And it orders state and local authorities to not enforce federal regulations concerning firearm suppressors, provided they meet the, those requirements, they being manufactured. I didn't know we had manufacturers in Mississippi that make firearm suppressors. I mean, we've got ammo manufacturers and firearm okay. manufacturers I knew and that. plenty of machinists and gunsmiths. So it may be doing some of those may be doing this right as a well. And before this, it would be illegal, or it'd be a whole bunch of hoops to jump through. But okay. if this passes and stands, doesn't get challenged and shot down, then hey, a new industry for the Magnolia State. So does this not sound like, however, that we passed a law in the state here? Essentially, essentially nullifies federal law. Isn't that what we're saying? Kind of, but federal law doesn't apply. The argument is federal law doesn't apply if it never leaves the state because federal law governs. I see. Interstate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Wow. Oh, some lawyers are going to have fun with that one. The winner is billable hours. <laughs> exactly. Also says that. I'm reading just a description in the title, which pretty much is the entire bill, requires the dismissal of charges for illegally carrying a muffler or silencer 
which are pending on July 1, 2023. So I'd have to look into that, what that means specifically. Basically, if you got in trouble before the law was passed. Yeah, it's dismissed. Right. Yeah, abandoned. Got you. So there was uh, something else came through here I wanted to get to. Uh, Ben from Madison says, interesting interview, capitalism, driving innovation, talking about the new blended renewable fuel. It will be very interesting to see if this takes off. Agree, Ben. I'll just say that Folks like Chevron, Exxon, they're, they're pretty good business folks. They think they've thought through this pretty carefully. And I'm trying to get some of the answers. By the way, I've sent a couple of questions. Apologize I didn't get that while Alan was on the, uh, on the line. But with respect to octane and miles per gallon and a diesel version, small engine use, try to get that. On the ceasefire text line, back to our friend here, Rhino, that... Um, is not too happy with the way we have been (laughs) critical of uh, Joe Biden today. Says uh, that that earlier sentence text basically said Fox News and its affiliates do nothing but lie to their viewers and Trump's brainwashed everybody. And uh, I just, I can't remember the exact context or the subject, but I basically said that Oh, I know what it was. It was Joe Biden saying that the wealthy don't pay their fair share. And then Liz Warren tweeting that Jeff Bezos didn't pay any taxes in, I don't know, two particular years. And we've got to institute a wealth tax to go take some of his wealth. And it's just dumb. So I called it dumb. And he basically said, so no Republicans are dumb. I can name a couple. Well, it's an opinion. I'm sure your opinion... Is that there are some who are? But then define dumb. Who's, who's the? What's the test for dumb? It's got a big picture of Biden next to it in the dictionary. <laughs> it's time for Fox News Super Talk News. Coming back. And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays, we are in the Element Wealth Studios on this hump day. So, Netflix, what a wild ride that stock had yesterday because... Well, they had an announcement. They did. You want to share it? Well, it seems like it's an announcement that they didn't really have to make. Nobody would have noticed. I agree. But they did announce that later this year they will end their DVD by mail service. Yeah. That's how they got started. Oh, yeah. I had no idea they were still doing it. Right. I, I don't think either. the vast majority of Netflix users knew they were still doing it. I didn't either. I will admit that on my couple of the higher-end surround sound systems I have in my house, the quality of the sound and the video on a high-quality DVD player, Blu-ray player, exceeds that of streaming. Oh yeah, there, there's some loss of of resolution and sound quality. It's minute. It's improved dramatically, no doubt. But there's still something about sticking that disc in there with all the bits in order <laughs> and uh, and enjoying the uh, the content. Uh, the Gallo Show 
guest host Lucian Smith will be at the Mississippi Economic Council's annual meeting. That's tomorrow at the Jackson Convention Complex. Wanted to pass that on. We've also got some tickets to give away later on in the program today. So a lot of stuff going on here at uh, at Super Talk, and we are so appreciative of you being with us today. On the ceasefire text line, it, uh, another person is not too happy with our analysis. <laughs> That's fine. The Dominion lawsuit bears out that a lot of the Fox shows are replete with lies. Lies, I tell you. So I'll just ask. First, most of that, if not all, came from opinion shows, where opinion hosts were maintaining that they felt the election was so-called stolen. It's their opinion. That's what they're paid to do, is express it. Now, when you go beyond that and you start claiming as part of your your news shows that a product is de- not only defective but malicious. It's, not a, it's, it's a little difference. You know, the lawyers always told me it, it, that um, anytime I would be concerned about contracts with customers for uh, complicated services where there was a lot of risk to us as the provider of those services. And the lawyers would say, well, Gerard, there's negligence and then there's gross negligence. That's the way you've heard this concept before. And so, obviously, the fact that they shelled out $780 million, I think, indicates that the company, the news company, and their insurer felt like, yeah, this probably would be deemed gross negligence. But if it were a slam dunk, would the opposing party, Dominion, take a settlement and take and get half the money? You know, would they be okay with not requiring an apology or a retraction? It's, you know, it's just all part of the behind the doors negotiating, as you well know, between the lawyers and the and uh, the business decision makers. Uh, I, I don't Fox know. didn't want to have to go to trial right. and go through all that hoopla. Sure. And Dominion probably knew there was at least a chance they'd lose. Right. That's absolutely right. So take that $787 million now. But nonetheless, I ask again, replete with lies. Well, it's opinion. I'm sure there are people out there that think you and I lie because we express our opinion. Why is it so hard for folks to understand the difference between news, factual journalism news, and opinion? Isn't there like a disclaimer that plays right before the show airs? I know it does before Gallo. Um, because, and it may be that's sufficient under FCC law for the, the day. I don't know how that works, honestly. All I know is, it's pretty clear, this is an opinion show. Yes, we discuss the news. We share the news. Sometimes we read verbatim from news sources. But that doesn't make it lying. I mean, because who's the arbiter there? Um, And this person says, you don't become president of the United States by being dumb. Wow, that could open up a Pandora's box of conversations there, couldn't it? 
Well, does that mean that you have to be smart to be president? I think you just have to get elected. There's not like a smart box on there. Is there a smart test to um, qualify to be president? I think we read that the other day. There's like three pretty simple requirements. Citizen, born here, 35 years old. That's it. That's what the Constitution says. I think I got that right. But it, I don't think there's one on there. That's, this is the point that says got to be smart. So define smart. Define being dumb. Who's the decision maker there? Who makes that call? Smart That's the dumb. problem with trying to argue with losers and liberals and Democrats because they have this self-appointed moral high ground where they are better than you. They are smarter than you. They know more than you. When in actuality, most of them are dumber than boxes of rocks. They just regurgitate what they've been spoon-fed by other idiots so that Democrats can coalesce power. Sure seems like it. Mike from Madison says, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Whether an election is stolen is a statement of fact. Either it was or it wasn't. That's part of the problem nowadays. People think they can lie about facts because it's just their opinion. Opinion's not equal to fact. I'm disagreeing with you, Mike, because if an opinion host expresses the opinion that they believe the election was stolen, it's an opinion. Still a free country. Right. That's different, I believe, than publishing a news story with a title, The Election Was Stolen. You won't find that in the news section. You'll find it in the opinion section. And you know what else you get? The counter-opinion, which is the election was not stolen. Well, how do you know? Whoever wrote the article. Did they count every vote? Did they verify that every vote is 100% accurate, valid, true? Well, that's the whole problem. You got, what, 7 million votes? Something like that. I don't know how many it was, but it's a bunch. Um, how, how do you, who's, who's going to make that, that call? Um, it's just an opinion. That's the point. Um, I was going to say here, pardon me there, I was looking up something, pardon me for the ums there. Uh, where is my 662 guy? I'm looking for it here that sent in something earlier because I wanted to address that. Keith Invade says, I have a prostate. I'm a man. My wife does not have a prostate. She is a woman. That's one way. <laughs> That's certainly one way. And Darren and Jackson says the same thing you've said a million times, Rhino. Where are the feminists? I totally agree. Where are the feminists? They're, like, absent. Thomas and Greenwood says, where can you get actual news? Well, see, the I say the problem with this is pretty clear to me today. Define news. Because there are some people that I believe are conflating, confusing news with opinion. And news should be a report of, of fact, verifiable, empirical fact. You know, I don't want to play the what about game. I almost said it there, and I apologize for that. But that's what you end up with. What about, what about, what about, what about. But is it not true that the left-wing news sources 
whenever there's, sadly, regrettably, unfortunately, some sort of, of um, violent event, immediately start jumping to a conclusion and floating profiles and ideas. That's happened to the point where they've had to apologize, as I recall. And that was the news shows. Not opinion, news shows. I don't know anything about Trump brainwashing us, but Biden has definitely picked our pockets. The truer words have never been spoken there. Totally agree on that. Uh, I see a tweet here that Jerry and Waynesboro shared from Kerry Lake, who ran for governor of Arizona. A precious eight-year-old little girl was found at the border with 67 different traces of DNA inside her. This is Biden's America. Little girls get raped by 67 different men. I mean, I, I haven't verified that. Again, this is just sharing what somebody sent us here. It's an opinion show. If that's the case, that's despicable. That's heinous. And Joe Biden need to be needs to be called to account. Because they told us the border was safe and secure. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well Studios, so looking at a text here from Matt in Tupelo. Matt, I, I see the screen. It's a little hard to make out when it comes through on our screen from yours, but it looks like you're in TurboTax. And, and it's a bullet point question, says uh, evidently it's like a help some help while you're completing your return using TurboTax, is what I'm assuming. What if my child self-identifies differently? Not every child fits into one of those options. Some may identify in a way that isn't captured, while others may choose not to self-identify. For now, the IRS only provides these two options and requires one to be selected. Not doing so will cause an error when you go to file your taxes. Hmm. So, so the IRS is transphobic. When are the left going to cancel it? <laughs> That's true. We're waiting. Matt. Silence is violence. The clock is ticking. Come on, there's blood on your hands, IRS. <laughs> Matt, are you? Um, where are you on the return? Is or is this for the child tax credit, or is this just listing your dependents? Um, I hadn't done that so long, I haven't even paid attention to that. 
listing your dependents. I didn't know it was required that you list their gender. Hmm. Is that true, Matt? Is that what you're talking about? We'll see. What do you They won't let me file porch cats as dependents, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, if we can identify, let's see, wait a second. A male, unless he's been pruned, isn't a female. Well, that doesn't make him a female either, Louie from the 662. <laughs> if we can identify as whatever we want, why not everyone identify as old enough to draw Social Security benefits on the 251 there? I am a man, and I, re- and I really like looking at women because I know one when I see one, says Jerry in Pontotoc. All right, good for you there, Jerry. I hear you, man. It was best described in Kindergarten Cop. What a woman is? The difference in the genders. Oh. I know it's been a long time. What did he, what well, did Schwarzenegger say there? Well, they the medical terminology, but if you were easily offended, just turn the radio down for the next five seconds. But to quote Kindergarten Cop, a kindergartner, talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie, said, boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. It <laughs> works for me. Pretty much it. I don't know why that's so dang hard. <laughs> sure seems to be. Let's see if Mike uh, came back. Can you, Kirk from Columbus, can you claim your child's sex change as a tax deduction? I'm sure that it fits into whatever the guidelines are with respect to medical expenses. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not aware that those are excluded. I suspect that qualifies as bona fide medical expenses. Matt came back and said, just listing a new dependent. Okay. Interesting. I'll I have to take a look at that. It sounds to me like that's a function of the IRS systems being behind the times. I wonder if Janet Yellen is aware, because that's her purview. She being the Secretary of the Treasury, the IRS is part of that. We need to call out the Secretary there. The IRS is obviously transphobic. No doubt about it. Got to dismantle it. Got to decolonize it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I went to the bank to tell them that I identified as a millionaire and I want to draw my money out. They asked me to leave. I don't doubt it there on the 662. Huh. If an opinion show said the sky was green, is it green? That's not an opinion, is it? Yeah, it's an opinion. Mike? From Madison, you just illustrated the point there. You don't have to believe it. It's just an opinion. Well, think about it, Mike, because you could look up at the sky any day, and I may say, well, it's blue, and you may say, no, it's more gray, which is both of which are possible. Green, I guess, is not, unless there's some kind of smoke or something in the atmosphere. But it's still an opinion. And you know what would happen is if you spout so much crazy opinion that that I guess you don't agree with or incenses you or you just find useless or and not entertained, not enlightened, you just turn it off. There are a lot of people that like to tune in. I'm sure there are people that tune into this show because they don't agree with us and they enjoy being sort of antagonist, and that's fine. That's great. Quoting Lieutenant Kathy from A Few Good Men, it's not what I believe, it's what I can prove. Yeah. True that story. is the legal system. That exa- that's exactly right. 
You can believe wholeheartedly that something is the truth, but until you can prove it in a court of law, the legal system ain't going to do jack diddly squat. Yeah. Chris from Oxford says that the disclaimer is played before our show. Appreciate that, Chris. Uh, so back to it's ten fifty nine. This ceasefire text line. This individual that said that there are no Republicans or took took um, exception, shall we say, and a bit sounds like a bit of offense to my assertion that Joe Biden was dumb. And I'm, what I mean by that is his comment that the rich and the wealthy in this country don't pay their fair share. And that Liz Warren, on as well, who's just castigating, excoriating Jeff Bezos, calling for a wealth tax because um, he's obviously wealthy, mainly on paper, and didn't pay any income taxes in a couple of years because he didn't have any income. They don't like the fact that they, they build up assets and then they borrow money against those assets that they pledge to a financial institution to live. But they don't have any income, so therefore they don't pay any tax. And those assets they're pledging are volatile, but that's all worked out with a bank such that it meets their risk tolerances and risk tests for income. What's wrong with that? Why are they so mad about that kind of stuff? Again, I, I point out we need more of Jeff Bezos to innovate and provide value to society. You think about it. How much has he done to lift people out of poverty? A whole hell of a lot more than Liz Warren would ever consider. Right. And her idea is, well, you need to send me some of that money you made while you lifted those people out of poverty and created, what, 1.5 million jobs, not to mention the hordes of people that make a living, a handsome living, selling their goods through Amazon. And, and Bezos points this out in his letter in excruciating detail, honestly. I mean, down to the numbers. Dramatically lowered a major barrier to entry for small mom-and-pop businesses. Excellent point. Absolutely. You no longer have to have a brick-and-mortar location with a warehouse and an entire team to work the warehouse and send out your orders. You can do it through Amazon and use theirs. And think about you're using arguably the most sophisticated, most powerful supply chain and retail e-commerce systems on the planet. You get to leverage that for a small fee. You paid him. It's It was his idea, his brainchild, his vision, his risk, his effort. But because the only cut the government gets is the sales tax, people like Liz Warren get really upset. Unbelievable. So back to our our member of our audience here on the text line, uh, we were we were picking apart this person's statement where there was improper grammar, and uh, we we were explaining the proper the corrections to that. And I think you made the point that that's probably over that person's head. Well, you used vis-a-vis. Oh, that's what it was. Which is, and if you have a hard time with subject-verb agreement, then vis probably, probably in a different ballpark. Don't know what that is, right? Um, not over my head, buddy. More educated than you, my friend. <clears throat> so, 
Okay, what does that mean? I, define education. Does that mean you have more degrees than I do? Okay, fine. Does that mean, therefore, so educated meaning, I guess we're specifically talking about formal education in a classroom towards attainment of a degree, of some sort of education credential. You may. Okay. Is that the only measurement of one's worth, value, intelligence? Is that the way we measure it? Strictly with degrees from a classroom? Well, that's how they measure it in academia. Because ah, they can't compete in the real world. Right. If you can't do, teach. Gotcha. Well, we got some tickets to give away, and we're coming right back on the other side of this break in the Element Well Studios. Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons on Super Talk Mississippi. In the Element Well Studios, it is middays. We thank you for joining us. Kevin Newsom tweeted, Over in Nebraska, the state Senate is busy combining the concepts of abortion, the great replacement theory, and misogyny, stating that a six-week abortion ban is necessary because white people are being replaced. You follow that? Abortion, the great replacement theory, and misogyny all combined into one in Nebraska because they are banning abortions after six weeks. And Newsom says Nebraska's doing that because white people are being replaced. Says, we have not grown except those foreigners who have moved here or refugees who have been placed here because they've killed 200,000 people. (laughs) So, the greatest thing about this tweet is the first reply, first comment in the thread, somebody named John Ziegler. (laughs) Over in California, where... (laughs) Where this jackass is somehow still the governor, our kids' test scores have nosedived since he needlessly closed our schools. Our cities are assholes with rampant homelessness and crime. Our budget is in a deficit, and people are moving out in record numbers. Clearly, this is a Californian. (laughs) He's blasted it. It is true. How about taking a look at your own backyard here, Governor Newsom? You're busy out there bashing Nebraska and Mississippi and other red-oriented states. But your own backyard is an asshole, honestly. (laughs) You saw the Compton, California? That's down towards L.A., of course. 
there was a um, an incursion, shall we say, of a convenience store, a riotous mob of teenagers. It's all on video, because there's video everywhere. I found it fascinating that now that the dust has settled, we've learned that they broke in the store. It may have been open at the time, I don't know, but they invaded the store, overwhelmed it, packed with teenagers, ransacking the place. They took condoms, you see that? Oh, yeah. Beer and cigarettes. It's not like they're hungry. It's, you know, you hear that, well, it's because society has just uh, caused them to be in this situation. They're, they're hungry. They're, they're looking for, uh, for something to eat, and they, they need sustenance, and it's all the fault of society. So we have to look the other way. Oh, no, they took condoms, and they didn't look like they were just impoverished. They were all dressed in, you know, the expensive hoodies and all the crap they wear. Look well kept. They just want you to, but, oh, but the left-wing media doesn't lie when they tell you that sort of stuff. Well, we have to give them a pass here. This is, what did the stupid mayor? Mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. With the fires in the background. Standing in front of a burning building. (laughs) While doing my taxes, I noticed that there is now a category of men's bikinis that can be deducted as an itemized deduction, says Dan in Hattiesburg. Don't give him any ideas, Dan. Pretty sure Borat wore a mankini, and he didn't have anything to do with trans. <laughs> that's Mike says, by the way, for Madison, that's exactly right. A man is a man, and a woman is a woman. And if Opinion Show says they just can be whatever, it does not make it true, right? Agree. That's my point from earlier. Yeah, so we I think we're in agreement here, Mike. It's opinion. And I don't think we want to start suppressing the expression of opinion. As Rhino said earlier, that's consistent with free speech. That's not to be confused with with news shows, news programs. But that's the problem news with journalism. the left. Any opinion that does not line up lockstep with theirs is hate speech. It should not be allowed. That's, you should be ashamed. And and hate speech in their world could be expressing the view as we have here today that a man, biological man, simply cannot bear a child. That's hate speech. It's true. It's true. That's, oh, yeah. that's absolutely true. Shouldn't Liz be more concerned with reparations to Indians for fraudulently using their heritage to discount her way to the top, says Karen in Oxford. You said something about that on the break. She yeah. is no better than 164th Native American. Oh, but she used it to get cushy gigs at various universities. Uh, so I got a question. Is that a lie? If she said I'm... She's got a D by her name. That's pretty much all that comes out of her mouth is BS and lies. Well, just in in response, it's it's a I'm rebutting essentially what we got here on the text line that Fox News is nothing but lies. Look again on these opinion shows, anything could be construed as a lie. We expect and hold our 
our news journalism industry to report facts and the truth. Unfortunately, they don't. And I'm not sitting here saying that Fox News is 100% fact accurate in their news programs, programming, in their stories. Not saying that at all. But I would trust it a heck of a lot more than Rachel Maddow or Joy Reid. And there is a reason why why their ratings absolutely they're more than all the others combined for what that's worth. That's a true story. Um, but you could get bent out of shape, as someone on our text line did, about, uh, went on to say, Ingram, Tucker Carlson, Hannity. Those are opinion shows. People tune in to hear their opinion. And they are not to be regarded as bona fide factual news. You can make your own mind up. People should be able to do that. Now, some things, your eyes don't deceive you. When there's visible video empirical, unmodified, raw video evidence, I, I, I'm thinking about the, um, the, the enforcement officers, the border enforcement, on the horses. And what we heard from the White House was they were whipping them with the reins. And when you watch the video and you say, no, that's not what they were doing at all. Well, was that a lie? According to my eyes, it was. But that's the problem. The left doesn't want you to believe your eyes. That's why they get bent out of shape when you mispronoun them. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. We live in a free country. If you want to be a freakazoid and call yourself whatever and identify as whoever, that's fine. But you cannot impose that fantasy world on everybody else. That's the bottom line. But those immigration officers, Border Patrol officers, they were wronged by their own government doing their job. And it's clear they were not using reins of that horse to whip anybody. That's just horse hockey, no pun intended. They... You talk about reparations, they're the ones who are entitled to some dang reparations. They slandered them. They absolutely did. They um, they soiled them with lies, in my view. Charlie from Hickory says, cannot claim it on your taxes because that's cosmetic surgery, talking about gender transition surgery. I'm not so sure about that, Charlie, because, as you know, and honestly, I haven't seen it tested. I don't know the the accurate answer from a tax perspective, and I don't know any CPAs that have prepared any returns that included uh, gender transition surgery as a medical expense for their client, potential medical expense. But the left, of course, argues this is necessary. They'll argue it's necessary for the child to live, that the child would be uh, subject to perhaps taking their own life, suicidal and dysfunctional, not able to function if they don't undergo gender transition surgery because they're experiencing gender dysphoria. 
So it's not just cosmetic. And some cosmetic surgery, Charlie, such as, for example, correcting a, a cleft lip, that's deductible. If it's if it's solely because you're trying to, and that's necessary for quality of life, if it's solely because you're just trying to improve your looks, I guess, I don't know how to describe it, yeah, that's not deductible. Coming right back with some tickets. Stay with us. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. We're in the Element Well Studios today. Okay, I'm just reading this. <laughs> we got some tickets in a minute, but uh, our person that's uh, been out of shape today says, Sounds like some toes got stepped on. Butt hurt today. I believe normally you move on, but seems you're trying to defend or make yourself think differently than tune in to hear the lies. No. Uh, you know, I dwelled on this because this individual represents a very large component of the left in this country. And I loathe it with every fiber of my being. Not the people. This attitude. Not the people. God tells us to love everyone, and I damn sure try to do that. But not, not when... You take this kind of attitude. I I just I can't accept it. It's the typical condescension of an educational administrator, and that's disturbing, to say the least. So, but it's an opinion show, as we've made very clear today, and we're expressing our opinion. Please give away some tickets. One of the best-selling groups of all time, legendary Southern rock band Leonard Skinner, will be at the Brandon Amphitheater in Brandon on Saturday, April 29th. Tickets for the show are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com, or you can swing by the Brandon Amphitheater box office. But we're giving you a chance to win a pair of tickets right now. All you got to do is be the 12th person to text into the C Spire text line. That's 601-879-4395. Be the 12th person to text in Simple Man, and you'll win a pair of tickets to see Leonard Skinner on April 29th. There you go. Steve from Kossuth said, appreciate you tuning in from up there in Kossuth there, Steve. Like Richard Pryor, I think, once said, who you're going to believe, me or your lying-ass eyes? <laughs> yeah, I got it. What's up with all the liberals on the text line today, Donnie says. That proves that y'all are doing a great job, and this many liberals tune in to listen to the show. Keep up the wonderful job. I appreciate it, Donnie. I don't know, and, and we welcome all opinions. This person is more than welcome to express it. But just know that unless you tell us otherwise, and we've made this clear before, 
we may choose to to read your text. Unless you tell us not to. If you tell us not to, then we won't. We'll keep it under wraps. Won't share it on the air. Otherwise, we're going to do it. But again, I'm not trying to pick on this individual as much as I am the ilk. That's what bothers me. Because this fits in with what Liz Warren said, with what Joe Biden said that we quoted today, with what Gavin Newsom said. I still, this is nonsense, Newsom, about this combining abortion great replacement theory and misogyny just because Nebraska's looking to pass a six-week abortion ban, a ban on abortions after six weeks. That's just incredible to me that that could rise to that level. So here's Chuck Schumer. This is another example. The more that Americans reject Republicans' extreme views at the ballot box, the more they seem to double down. Now, let's be clear. Extreme extreme to Chuck Schumer is banning abortion, for example. Even banning late-term abortion, Chuck would consider to be extreme. Extreme would be trying to rein in reckless spending and to keep the government tax burden off the backs of innovators in this country and to oppose a wealth tax. That's extreme. Or shutting the border down. Or locking people up that hurt other people or take their stuff. Or to to Schumer, to your point, if you refer to someone with a pronoun that was not their preference. That's extreme. And Even though they literally just came up with that pronoun five seconds earlier. <laughs> that is, that's exactly what... That's exactly right there. Touche, my friend. That's exactly right. All for the damn attention. And to make a scene. That's all it's about. Because Chuck's got their back. Right? So that's the legion extreme. legion of look-at-me's. He says... We're seeing this play out in reproductive rights. We're seeing it play out on gun safety. If the MAGA GOP continues down this road, our country will suffer. That's what he said. Extreme. Extreme is wanting males to compete with males in sports and females to compete with females. That's considered extreme. Extreme is considered validating every person that cast a ballot is legal. To cast that ballot, legally registered, adhering to the law, that's extreme. And to true up the vote and wanting to do that, that's extreme. We're out of here today. We're going to be down in Ellisville tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.